Somebody told me years ago that there are two ways in which you can see fruit on a fruit tree. One way you can see fruit on a fruit tree is by buying a bag of fruit and then taking them one by one and taping them to the branches. But then there's another way, and that is for the tree itself to produce natural fruit. But from a distance, they both look alike. From the outward appearance, they both look the same. For the casual observer, both trees look fruitful. Now, I'm reminded of this boy who grew up in a farm, and he was growing chickens. And uh, he was getting very disappointed at the way the chickens are producing little eggs. And he wanted them to produce big eggs, and he couldn't get them to produce big eggs. So one day he went to town and came back with a parcel, and, and the parcel was showing a, a, an ostrich egg. And he went to those unsuspecting fowls, and, and he held that big egg in front of the chicken, and he said, Look at this, you guys. Try harder. You say, what has this got to do with parenting? Well, a great deal. Listen carefully. We saw in the last message there are basically two styles of parenting. There is parenting for outward appearance. There is parenting for outward performance. And there is parenting for the inner child. There is parenting for outward of the outside and there is parenting of the inside. There is parenting of the external. There is parenting of the internal. We saw that there are style of parenting for outward appearances, but there is a parenting of the heart. There is a style of parenting for a temporary change in behavior of a child, and then there is a parenting of the inward belief which yields permanent change in behavior. I want you to hear me right. This is important. Because parenting for outward performance and temporary change in behavior. It's like taping fruit to the branches of a fruit tree. It will have an outward and temporary effect. But parenting for the belief, parenting of the spirit, parenting of the heart, will be like a tree that produces healthy fruit. Parenting for the outward world of a child, at best, will show temporary results. But parenting for the inward belief will permanently alter a child's behavior. But here's the catch. Parenting for the inward behavior, for parenting for the inward belief, parenting for the heart, must begin with a parent modeling change for his or her children. Beloved, I don't think I need to tell you this. You know it. That what children are longing for today, more than anything else, are role models. What impacts a child's inner world is not standards for perfection. What impacts a child's inner world is not harassment and nagging for improvement. What impacts a child's inner world is not even rewards and incentives. But what really impacts the inner world of a child is an example of a parent whose inner belief has permanently changed his or her behavior. 
What children are desperate for today is an authentic change of life as they see it in their parents. Hear me right, please. I don't think for a moment that what children are looking for is perfect model. Little as they are with their limited understanding, they know that such thing doesn't exist. But what they are looking for is authentic role models. I don't think for a moment that children's lives are permanently impacted by parents who have split personalities. The public parent and the private parent. The parent who believes and behaves in one way in the church and with the believers, and then at home, he or she lives a different life. And that is why the first step in parenting 911 is the parent. It's the parent. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 17, every good tree produces good fruit. Think about this with me for a moment. I know what I'm going to tell you is true in your life. I know it's true in my life. The question is, are you willing to admit it to yourself? Whenever we sin, it is always an indication that something had gone wrong with our relationship with the Lord. Always. It is always an indication that we have failed in believing and trusting the Word of God and the promise of God. Whenever I feel discontented, whenever you feel discontented with life, whenever we feel that we need something else other than Jesus to bring us fulfillment in life, whenever we feel that we're looking for satisfaction anywhere else other than in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, whenever we value money or success or appearances or prestige more than we value salvation, whenever any of this happens in our lives, it means what? It means what? Something internally has gone wrong because God doesn't move. God doesn't change. So the problem with, with me and you, something has happened to our hearts. Something has happened to our spirit. And you know what the Bible calls that? The Bible calls that something, he calls it unbelief. You say, Michael, wait a minute. You say, believers, saved believers, go through a period of unbelief. You better believe it. (laughs) Some of you are there right now. Some of you in unbelief right now. Some of you have hardness of heart right now. If this condition of unbelief in a parent's life persists and continues without repentance and without hot tears of turning back to God, the next step, almost always, the next step is that we begin to fake it with outward appearances. You say, how do we do that? How do we fake it with outward appearance? Listen to me. We begin to substitute our own strength in the place of trusting God. We begin to trade external behavior for inward godliness. Bottom line, we begin to take fruit on the tree branches of our lives. And my beloved friends, I want to tell you, kids see through this in a hurry. And that is why modeling is step number one in parenting of the heart. Jesus tells the story about a parent, in this case, be a father. 
And he said this father had two boys. One boy is what we call a strong-willed child, and the other one is outwardly compliant child. And today we're going to look at the father, and the next two messages we'll look at the strong-willed child and then the outwardly compliant child. So I want you to turn with me to Luke 15. And Jesus begins by saying, there was a father. Some of your Bible said a man, but literally there was a father. You see, parenting begins with parents. Parenting begins with the heart of the parent. Have you noticed when you get on the airline and you sit down and and uh, before you take off, the flight attendants comes on the microphone and says, um, you know, fasten your seat belt and all those good things they're supposed to do. And, and then says, in case of emergency, an oxygen mask is going to fall down. And you need to take that mask and you place it on your mouth and nose. But if you're traveling with children, you need to place the mask on your mouth and nose first, then on the mouth and nose of a child. I remember one time I said, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. How can the, the, the adult takes care of himself first and not the child? But then I discovered there's a method in their madness. <laughs> and the method, method is very simply. If the parent gets so busy trying to put the mask on the child first and the child might pull it out and, and all this might go on, what will happen? By that time, the oxygen-starved parent is in no shape to help the child or himself. And that's why they do it that way. A healthy, breathing parent will be of greater help to the child. But an oxygen-starved, fainting parent will not be of much help to the child. And Jesus is giving us a role model of a father who is modeling, who had modeled for his boys. And this father, as you look at the story, exhibited no harshness at all. He exhibited love. He exhibited generosity. He exhibited complete devotion for his boys. He exhibited total involvement in their lives. He exhibited an individual interest in each of their lives. And it goes without saying that this father instructed his children in the Word of God. Some of you probably are saying by now, okay, Michael, well, uh, how come if he was that great, if he's that perfect of a father, how come both boys really messed up royally in their own different ways? Good question. Hold on to it. Although both boys in their own way for a period of time did not appreciate the father's modeling of his life, did not appreciate the father's godliness, yet they both came to their senses. They both recognized that later. I want you to listen to me very carefully. (laughs) Because parenting of the inside will always pay dividends even if you go through some temporary setbacks. The strong-willed son tried it his way and failed and came back in shame and embarrassment. But he came back. He came back. 
The outwardly compliant child did not appreciate his father's generosity and was feeling sorry for himself, but he could not dispute his father's love. And Jesus begins the story by showing how this father modeled for his children. In fact, as I said in this story, you find the father, no hint of abuse, no hint of hypocrisy, no hint of rigid dictatorship. There is no hint of harshness here. There is no hint of any of that. And yet, when the strong-willed boy grew up, he exhibited ingratitude. He exhibited thanklessness. He exhibited lack of appreciation. He exhibited no respect. In fact, he did worse than all of that. In a Middle Eastern culture, for an adult child to say to his father, give me even a portion of my inheritance, is nothing less than saying, Father, I wish you were dead. And that's the attitude of this boy. I'm going to, of course, talk more about that next message. But today I want you to focus on the parent modeling for his children and the blessings that come from that. You see, when children see not perfection, not perfection, listen to me, but when the children see authenticity, no matter how long they may run away, no matter how long they may suffer temporary blindness, no matter how foolish they may become for a period, they will come back. Let me tell you about a Yusuf philosophy about that. It's a kind of a homespun understanding. There has to come a time in the life of every child when he or she have to let go of mom and dad's boat of faith and get into their own boat of faith. In other words, they have to come a point in each child's life where they own their faith. And there's no longer, you know, because mommy told me so or daddy told me so, but because I believe so, the Bible told me so. You say, Michael, how did you handle that time of kids swimming from your boat, Elizabeth's boat, to their own boat? Painfully. My daily prayer, well, uh, truthfully, more like hourly prayer, <laughs> when our kids left home, is my cry to the Lord on a regular basis, Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> make their swim from mom and dad's boat of faith to their own boat of faith to be short in duration. <laughs> Make it to be a short distance and make it to be safe. Now, of course, there are some kids who literally would let go of one hand and then the other, and then they get into their own boat of faith very quickly, and that's marvelous. That's wonderful. That's great. That should be the prayer of every parent and grandparent, that this would be the case. And I think that's what happened in the life of the older boy. The outwardly compliant boy. He was in the water for a short period of time when he felt sorry for himself and felt jealous of his younger brother and the way the father showed attention on the younger brother. But the younger, stronger-willed boy, whom we call the prodigal, for him, it took eating the pig's food <laughs> to realize how good he had it in daddy's house and what a great role model daddy was. Here's something I don't want any parents or grandparents to miss, because this is important. Because, and this particularly is to the older parents, those of us who have older children. 
I'm going to talk to the younger dads and moms in a minute, but, but to those of us who have children who have grown, I want you to listen carefully. Because this father was so confident that he had modeled a godly life for his boys. When this younger, strong-willed boy wanted to leave home, he said, go. In fact, he trusted in the promises of God. What does the promise of God say that this man would have known? It's Proverbs 22, 6. Train up the child in the way he should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. This man believed the Word of God. He trusted the Word of God. That's why he was confident. The insecure parent who are guilt-stricken, an unsure parent or negligent parent would have screamed and hollered and would have been punitive. He would have done anything possible to keep the boy from going. A guilt-stricken parent would, would have been trying to find out every move of the boy, probably hired some private detectives to find out what's going on. Because deep down, that parent knows that he or she did not model parenting of the heart. But in Luke 15, the father was so confident that he did everything right as he knew it. That he modeled parenting and godliness. And therefore, he knew deep down that the boy will come back. If it takes a generation, he's going to be back. He was so confident about that. This parent's confidence was in the promise of God that if you have done your part, they will not depart. In fact, the father, this father, was so confident that he did the unthinkable in terms of the cultural milieu, in terms of the cultural norm. He did the unthinkable. Back then, as it would be today, I'm assuming, (laughs) that the father was not under any obligation to give his son anything of his inheritance. Inheritance is a privilege, not a right. But this father did it anyway. You say, why did he do that? Why don't say, get out of here, boy, until you get on your face and you come back here? No, 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 no. This father was so confident that sooner or later, the boy will come to his senses. That sooner or later, this boy will remember Daddy's modeling of godliness that sooner or later the boy will acknowledge that although he kicked grace in the teeth, sooner or later he'll come back. Sooner or later the boy will discover who truly loves him unconditional and not the so-called friends and the hangers-on, but it's his daddy. Someone here today may say, Michael, I did not model godliness and godly parenting of the heart and to my children growing up. I did not model parenting of the heart and the spirit for my children growing up. I want you to listen to me very carefully. With God, everything is possible. When I talked about this last message, at least 12 stories came to my attention in the span of a week of healing, of relationships that God began to work Maybe it's you as a parent who needs to sit down or call the prodigal and confess to him or her. Tell them that given the chances all over again, you would do it differently. That you would model godly parenting. Given chances, 
to do it again, you would not have done the things the way you did them. Given the chances to do them all over again, that you would be more concerned about the child's heart and spirit than outward performance. And then trust the grace of God. Trust the grace of God to bring healing into the relationship. Trust the grace of God to do the impossible. Whether you have a strong-willed or outwardly compliant, trust the grace of God to do it. Beloved, I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you. I told you in the last message, I'm a dad who made a whole lot of mistakes. But part of modeling godly parenting is for your children to see you not be perfect, but be repentant. Children want to know. It's part of modeling. They want to see mom and dad repenting of their sins and asking forgiveness from God. Many times when I wronged my children, I would go and ask for their forgiveness, whether they're 5 or 15, made no difference. I remember one time, Johnny was about 7, I guess, and I know that I punished him wrongly. And when that came to my attention, I went over to his room, and I was falling apart, feeling sorry, feeling bad. I hugged him. I said, Johnny, I'm so sorry. I punished you wrongly. Will you forgive me? Well, his eyes popped up like saucers. And put his arm around me and hugged me, and I'm sure he's saying to himself, cool, that is wrong. <laughs> you know. And he's admitting he's wrong. Or whatever happened, it doesn't matter. Children want to see mom and dad to be repentant and ask him for God's forgiveness. That's part of modeling. Kids don't look for perfection. They're looking for role models. I don't want you to miss the attitude of the father who did everything right. I don't want you to miss his attitude toward his son who did everything wrong when he repented. Don't miss that. Don't miss that because... You have to understand this story from a Middle Eastern context. And in a Middle Eastern context, the father would have insisted that the boy would sit outside the house for at least one day, if not two, so that the whole village will see that the boy has repented, humiliated in the public eye. And then an exact punishment would be publicly announced of what's going to happen. All of that so that the population of the village would know that the father has preserved the family honor through strict discipline. None of that happened. I mean, it's run contrary to the norm of that day. The father, in fact, acts again in such a way that is so out of the ordinary. Because in the Middle Eastern culture, again, once you turn the age of 30, you must never run. A man must never run past the age of 30. Why? It's humiliating. It's degradating. You must always walk, and you walk with dignity. I remember many years ago, John Hagee and I were traveling back in the early 80s, and I called one pastor in a Middle Eastern country, and I said, now, where's the best place for us to run? He said, what? I said, well, I'm looking for a place to run. He said, you must not let anybody see you running. He said, in the Middle East, men over 30 don't run. I said, I'm sorry, I had forgotten that. I had forgotten that. The father humiliated himself. It's undone. 
It's not something that is easily done in that context of that culture. Instead of humiliating his son, who deserved to be humiliated as far as the whole world is concerned, he humiliated himself. Can you capture the image of the cross of Jesus Christ here in this story? Can you see the implication of the cross? When the perfect, sinless, holy, righteous God, a very God, hang on a cross that belongs to every one of us. Instead of us, he took it on himself. Not only did he run to greet his son, he embraced his son, he kissed his son, he forgave him. And when the boy finally woke up to his father's modeling of godliness, modeling of love and righteousness, modeling of the heart, he felt shame that he did not feel worthy to be called this wonderful man's son. He said, the servant's quarters would be fine. But the father wouldn't hear of it. The father who modeled God in every way, cleaned the boy up, dressed him up, covered him up, covered his bare feet, sealed him with a ring, and called him son. Tapic fruit on a branch of a tree may look good on the outside, but ultimately will collapse. It will collapse. But modeling and parenting of the heart, oh, it may suffer some temporary setbacks, but it will always ultimately succeed. Young moms and young dads, you have an unbelievable, incredible opportunity to do, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what your parents did, that you have an opportunity to do something with your children that some who are already older now may not be able to do. But you have an incredible privilege as young man, young dad. And that is to model for your children the parenting of the heart and then focus on the parenting of their heart and their spirit, not their outward performance, because the behavior is going to follow the belief. Let me talk again to all the moms and dads, because you hear this in this church, and you hear this from me on a regular basis, and you will always hear it as God has given me breath. There is no use sitting there beating yourself up with guilt. God provided a way to gut out guilt, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. And you making the decision to do something about it. Confess it. Ask the Lord to forgive you for it. And then do something about it. Restore. Confess to the person. You might be a son or a daughter who's angry and bitter at the fact that your parents did not parent your heart, did not parent your spirit. And you're angry. Although you have never expressed that to them, maybe it's time for you to confess. And say, Lord Jesus, give me an opportunity to be able to say to my parents that I love them in spite of what they did or did not do. Let's pray together. As we all open our hearts bare before God, say, Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction and then action upon that conviction so that I might have fulfillment and joy in my life. There may be someone here, a parent, who have never committed his or her life to Jesus Christ, never understood what it is to have God the Father 
to be your role model. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I confess my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Today, come into my life. Come into my home. Bring healing into my family. There may be somebody here who has a hardness of the heart and a condition of unbelief and allows sin to dominate. Let this be an opportunity to be renewed afresh, to be cleansed and repent of unbelief and begin to trust God again and begin to trust God's Word again. So wherever you may be, I know the Holy Spirit of God has business to do with you. Take a moment. Talk to Him. Our loving Father, what incredible Father you are. The best of our fathers cannot compare with your graciousness and your unconditional love and your grace and mercy that you pour upon us. And Father, we are privileged people to have the opportunity to call you Father. I know the world does not convict us otherwise and try to convince us that the more things in life, more important things in life. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would turn our eyes toward you. Father, I pray for healing comes into homes that have been broken with sin and unbelief. Father, I pray for relationship that has been broken be restored in the power and the might of Jesus Christ and through the power of His blood. Father, I pray for convictions far and near and so that we be unhindered in our serving of You. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.